Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So I'm going to do part four of trusting God with our money. I wigged some people out last week because I said I don't believe in tithing. That I didn't. I don't find any place in the in the New Testament where there is a requirement for people to tithe. Did that mean you should not tithe? No. You, by tithe, I mean it's really weird. I don't believe I'm obligated to tithe, but I tithe. No, actually, we give a little bit more than the tithe. So I'm not doing that to do that. I'm just saying. I, I just found this. It's a way of life for me that has been a blessing. So I've had a lot of people say, well, uh, listen, if you want to hang on to the tithe issue and that's important to you and you do believe it, guess what? You can be here and still believe that. You can be here and even do it. It's delightful. It's seriously, it is. Because this is what I know as I have studied all this stuff and looked at the issue of money. There's nothing more controversial to talk about there's nothing that's probably been over-talked on TV too much to the point that the whole body of Christ just starts going, we just shut down to it. And yet, it's there in the, in the New Testament, in the Word of God. Inescapable. Why? Because it's important. Money's not a big deal, and it's a big deal. How we live, not a big deal, and it's a big deal. It's funny, you can live through life where money doesn't matter very much until you get a really huge bill. <laughs> Suddenly, money really starts mattering a whole lot when you get an unexpected bill. Um, I've looked at this thing from every angle. I've looked at people that uh, have written about it. Uh, in the past eight weeks, I've read uh, incredible books, and I, uh, um, it's just really stunned me about how much Jesus spoke about it and how much uh, the other writers actually talked about provision and money and God being there and what he wanted to do with it. The past few weeks, I've talked about breaking the mindsets of fear and anxiety, especially last week, regarding our money, and how through all of this, because this is what's really important for me, is that we see in all of this life, God's designed us to go down this path of trusting him. That's why money is such a big deal. Because trusting God and having provision is huge. And actually looking to God as the source rather than looking to ourselves and the work that we do. I think one of the reasons we don't like work is we see it as a necessary interruption in our life in order to get some money to live by. You see, that's not what God designed work for. God designed work for you to feel fulfilled, to enjoy life, to do stuff with it? Well, it's okay if I'm just lazy and not work. Paul says you won't eat. (laughs) There's that aspect of it, and I understand that. 
Here's the thing. Work is designed to fulfill us. God will bring provision. God will bring increase. God does incredible things, even through our work and the things that we do. So what I want to do this morning is begin to conclude our study on money with looking at two prevailing principles that I believe are clearly taught in the New Testament regarding money and giving especially, especially the giving that I believe that God designed to bring about freedom and joy in our lives, understanding financial provision. They're really wisdom issues. As I've seen a lot of them taught, it's give to get, and that's weird to me. Because I don't live life by an equation anymore. I live life by a conclusion. The conclusion is, is it is finished. My life is captured in God. So I live my life by that conclusion rather than an equation. Yet we see some principles, two of them, that are really, really important in the New Testament regarding your money, your finances. The first one is this, what you believe. A principle about what you believe. Who you believe God to be, who you believe yourself to be, and how that works together in our lives. This couple that I spoke of that received the blessing, I bet you their whole view of what they believe about God and finances changed in a moment of time with one little notice. Maybe not. Maybe they always had that, but I tell you what, if you had something that came in that would cancel all of your debt, oh my gosh, would your view of God get awakened when you weren't expecting it? I would have one continual smile on my face. I will have one continual smile on my face because I believe that God's going to do that for me. What do you believe? What do you believe this morning is true about God and you? In every aspect of it. Do you believe that God is good? Four of you do. Really? Always? Always. Do you believe God is good to others? Do you believe that God is good to you? What do you base that on? He's your father. Okay, what else? Can I get an amen? God is good. What we believe about God and that goodness determines how we approach God and what we believe him for. So, here's the issue. Right believing is a key 
to understanding how God brings provision and frees our hearts to live this life without bondage to money. Did you hear that? Without bondage to it. I'm not bound to it. It's really this. Maybe in Nick's response is this, Matthew 7, we know it well. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. But you've got to listen to the rest of this, because we do that mostly uh, in the sense of when we get into intercessory prayer, and we're, we're believing God, and so we do the ask, knock, seek thing says, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus did a really interesting thing here. He linked what you believed about him and invited you to come ask and link that to something else, reciprocity. That if I believe that God was good for me, then I can believe he's good for you. And if I can believe that as God is good for me, he may be using me to bring goodness in your life. It's incredible. God wants us not just to see money as a place of provision, but see money as a means of sharing and blessing other people. To give our very substance away so that God can keep giving to us. It becomes a flow in our lives. Well, is this a law then? It says hangs on the law and the prophets. No, it's a principle that's there. That when you do this, can you imagine this? When I'm blessing other people with my finances, God releases into their heart the operation of his, the life of his son. It's stunning. Why would he do that? I don't know. He's God. But it does something not only for others, but it does something in our human hearts when we find a place of sharing. And it's the power of right believing that actually releases that. How many of you read Joseph Prince? Well, good. Praise God. Joseph Prince takes so much heat for uh, his books and his teachings and all that stuff. And I, I really, I don't understand. I'm not here to defend Joseph Prince. But I don't understand the criticism. I've heard so much criticism about him and read it that I finally quit reading it. Duh. You know, I want to bless. Let's stop and bless Joseph Prince right now. Who are we? We're this little body in, in, in Kansas City. But I want to bless somebody who's getting attacked for talking about new covenant faith and for talking about believing right. Will you join me? Lord Jesus, we just bless Joseph Prince right now. I thank you that he has walked through this seemingly with a lot of humility and without answering back his critics. So we would just want to say to him, blessed are you, Joseph Prince. Bless your preaching. Bless 
your life. Bless your children. Bless your family. And we proclaim that we receive you and that we think you're a pretty good guy. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where that came from, so. I guess because I'm going to quote him. Because this is what I know. Everybody says he talks about money all the time. I don't see him talking about money. I I see him talking about new covenant life, believing Jesus Christ and preaching the word. Over and over and over again. So this is from his book, The Power of Right Believing, and talking about trusting God with everything. So he says this about believing wrong. He says, wrong believing puts people in a prison. Even though there are no physical shackles, wrong believing causes its inmates to behave as though they were incarcerated in a maximum security penitentiary. They march inexorably to their dank cells of addictions. They allow themselves to be led into dungeons of destructive behaviors. They have convinced themselves never to dream of a better place, believing that they have no choice but to live in despair, frustration, and defeat. When we are fearful and worried all the time, we are living as if we don't believe that we have a strong and able shepherd who is tender-hearted towards us, who only leads us to good places, who protects us and lovingly watches over us. In varying degrees, we all have wrong beliefs in our hearts that need to be exposed to the truth of God's word. That's why we need the Savior. Our wrong beliefs can only be demolished when they are exposed to his grace and the truth of his word. When we take God's word and it says ask and we come and ask, don't you know he'll answer that? He promised it in that very passage. Ask me. This is what he told Jeremiah. Oh, come seek me, ask of me, and I will show you incredible things. Stunning. I want to see incredible things. I want to see every family living debt-free. At New Day. Then we can send Chad and Sarah. You know, no worries. Just go. Just pack, pack your stuff up. Go. We'll take care of you. As God does, see, that's what I'm believing for. Because I don't believe this is just so that you live this sugar-coated, blessed life and you have, get to fly around in Jess and go wherever you want. Though I hope you get to do that. I really do. But I think it has ultimate purposes in it. Grand purposes. And it takes just a trigger, just a thing that says, oh, I'm going to take God at word. So he goes on. He says, could it be that we are not seeing many breakthroughs because we have made asking God for big things a taboo with our religious and legalistic rhetoric? Did you hear that? I want to read it again. Could it be that we are not seeing many breakthroughs because we have made asking God for big things a taboo with our religious and legalistic rhetoric? Could it be that we are just not seeing many blessings because we have not been asking God and seeking him with a confident expectation of good? That he is a good father and wants to bless his children. Have you noticed the theme this morning in what Dan was talking about in worship? God dances over you. He sings over you. Your father in heaven wants to dance with you in fields of grace. 
I think the power of believing that God wants to answer his big, big prayer is huge. So I have a story I want to share with you this morning. It's a little bit about believing. It's really symbolic. Uh, I think where many people get stuck about believing and the release of God's goodness in their own life. It's where I got stuck. So I have a friend. Imagine that. He lives out in the country. He has a, a, a beautiful home and a beautiful property. He's on some acreage, and he and I are very, very close friends. And surrounding his property, because he lives out in the country, is a security fence. So he has dogs, and he lets the dogs run, but he wants them to stay on his property. So there's a security fence all around it. Not only that, you want to secure your property. In his, in his driveway, when you pull up, he has one of those automated gates, you know, one of them big wrought iron ones that just stays shut. You know, it looks, it's wonderful, it's a beautiful gate. And this is what happens. When I pull up to visit him, there's a little call box off to the side that has a code to open the gate or a button you push to let him know you're there so that, you know, people can actually come in on his property. Here's the thing. If I don't know the code, which I do, I don't use it, though. Or if I don't push the button, I always push the button and let him know that I'm there. I can pull up to that gate, and I can sit there, and I can stare at that gate all day long, and that gate will never open. No matter how long I sit there, if I don't touch that call box, nothing happens. Unless maybe he looked out the window and saw me or something. But I can have an expectancy of going in and having fellowship with him to enjoy us getting together. But if I don't push that call button, he doesn't know I'm there. I think that's what this prayer that Jesus talked about is talking about. I know this. When I do push the call button, the gate is accessed and it just opens up. I don't have to get out of my vehicle. I don't have to do any effort. I just push the button. He says, oh, yeah, friend, come on in. Mm, That's the gate opening up. Gate opens up. I pull right in. The gate is accessed. I drive right up to his house and get to have fellowship with him. Here's what I believe about our relationship with God, and especially with our money. We tend to live in the borderlands. We live right outside the gate. We believe that God's good and we never push the button. Pushing the button is asking. Pushing the button is this. Oh, I believe that God's good. If you believe he's good, push the button. Touch faith. Let faith and you knowing that God is good connect. Step out. He wants you to actually believe for really huge things. And this isn't just about money. He wants you to believe for finances, but also this, health, wholeness. Your whole family coming in outside of the borderlines. And when the gate opens, they all come in. He wants you to get the idea wrapped around that you're in a relationship with him and that you can ask really big. I think what happens when debt begins to strangle us, we know what got us there. 
me. My, honestly, my stupidity or my desires or my, and then sometimes it's not at all. Sometimes it's medical costs that I never knew were going to happen, a car breaking down that I never expected. I thought that was a Ford and it would last forever. And it just and it creep and it just starts creeping up until, okay, I know it's eighteen percent, but I'm going to use the credit card anyway. Uh, I'll get this somehow. Somehow I'll get this worked down. I'll get it worked down. I'll get it worked down. And at eighteen percent, it just keeps working up. You know, and 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 then you go, well, I did this, so I deserve to live with the consequences. Who told you that? What if we really believed that God wanted to free us from our debt? What would happen in a congregation like this if he paid off all of our mortgages? Oh, baby, would we be dancing. And rejoice. Is it just about finances? No. It's not just about finances. But what would it do in the midst of a people if debt after debt after debt after debt started getting canceled. Not because we deserved it, but because God wanted to do it. Y'all are looking very strangely at me. It's so easy to be skeptical over something like this, isn't it? Why is it for us so hard to believe that God would do that? So let me center it down to you in your life this morning. Why is it so hard for you to believe it about your life, let alone everybody else's? To really ask, to push the button, to step out in faith and say, God, you're good. So I'm going to put this expectation in my heart that you want to bless me and release me And here's a key with it, to be a blessing to others. To be a blessing to others. To actually walk through, to be able to explain it, and to be able to not explain it. To actually tell somebody, no, this this was a miracle. I have no idea where this was coming from. I had no idea, didn't do anything to get it. God just did it. And it starts sharing that bubbliness of the goodness of God in our lives. I believe there's power in right believing. This is one of the reasons I believe in it. He designed it so that your heart would be big, so that your heart would grow, so that your heart would get back real, really, really big. I found this in my own life. I'm not a wealthy man, but I've given a lot away. I'm just royalty. Thank you. See, he recognizes my royalty. Can you... You see, we're scared to say these things. Here is a prince of heaven. What stands before you this morning is a son of the most high God. 
What stands before you this morning is my father is a king. That makes me a... No matter where I go, I carry this royalty within me. Not not only that, but we're even priests unto God. There's Peter, we're a royal priesthood. I have my father through his son living in me. I was designed to live this way. So guess how big he wants my heart? As big as his. That's why the issue of money. Money never stops God. Of course, he's God and he can just create it if he wanted it. I, I understand that. But we let it stop us. And yet God is at work in this, in this human body. Listen to Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given to you. Once again, there's a principle of reciprocity. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your, one version says bosom, the other, the other says this, lap. I like the first one because it speaks of the area of the heart. He says, oh, when you start living like royalty, and blessing others and giving it away, something will happen in your heart. You will grow big as Texas in your heart. Huge. God's just looking for us to be willing to be royalty and give it away. Are you doing that so you give to church? No, I'm doing it so you just give. See, become a blessing to others. Bill Johnson, I don't know if this is an apocryphal story, but Bill Johnson, the pastor of Reading, and most of us are, are Reading, Bethel, in Reading. So this story is attributed to him that he had a young friend who told him the story that he was going through Starbucks one day, and this is one of those pay-it-forward things, and went through the drive-thru and was getting his latte, and he noticed that the car behind him was four people from church, from Bethel. And he went, oh, I'm just going to bless them. I'm just going to be a blessing to them today. So he told the clerk, hey, I want to pay for the car behind me too. So he did, and they pulled up to get blessed. And they pulled up to the window and found out that somebody else bought the ring. And they went, oh, well, we'll pay for the car behind us. The car behind them. You know the story. Kept pulling up. It went on all day to the surprise of the people that worked at Starbucks. People just kept pulling up and blessing the people behind them. That's what I'm talking about. That's the issue at stake here. When we give something of us away, I don't know, four bucks for a cup of coffee is just outrageous for this old guy. But there is something about when we do simple things like that, I believe it releases our hearts to believe for the bigger things. So this is my challenge to you this morning. Start doing the little things. Start doing little ways of blessing people. Maybe you've never given before, and that's okay. But what would happen if you just tried and gave? You, you can bless this house. You can bless this ministry. But that's not what I'm talking about so much more than that. 
I'm talking about you giving your life away to somebody. And here, here's the thing. We always want to do it, and I, I don't know why, and this isn't to denigrate anybody, but we want to help the poor. And I understand that the word of God is through that. But what if you took all the shackles off it and you just did it to do it? And that you weren't doing it to like, oh, I want to make sure this goes to somebody really needy. What if you did it just to bless? And what would happen in our hearts if we started to live that way? We started to just really do things for other people. And have it really become something incredible within our own testimony of our lives. Of seeing God at work doing that. I believe that's what he's talking about here. I believe there's a different way to live that releases our hearts to grow big as Texas. Because I found it in my life. Um, one more story. So I did grow up poor. Uh, I didn't realize that until I got in like junior high. You know, I, I thought rice and beans were, that's what you ate, you know, with a little bit of bacon in it or, or ham hocks. Anybody eat white beans and ham hocks growing up? So, uh, people still do that. So we did it, you know, I I remember I could do poor stories for you, pancakes with ketchup on it, you know. Uh, and I can remember eating carp and sucker out of the river. Nothing better than sucker patties ground up in a meat grinder, you know, to grind up the bone. Oh, yeah, it's delightful. So I understand that issue and growing up with those restrictions in my own life. Growing up seeing, because this is what I watched, and I don't want to denigrate him because he'd been dead for over 40 years anyway, but like my father was so selfish and just icky with money. He had no money, drank it all up and everything, but he never, like we never did anything for anybody. We never did that kind of stuff. I didn't even understand it. You know, Christmas time, you got one gift. A lot of times when I was a little kid, you do the poor me story, but you got socks and underwear, you know, maybe one toy. I, I don't regret any of that, but it's just to, get, to give you a framework of growing up in a family like that, what it was like. This is what happened when I entered the kingdom and understood that God was good. That he was a good father. And that he would always take care of me. I decided early on that I was going to break the back of that selfish thing that worked through my family. You can ask Brenda this. She'll verify all of it. I just decided I was going to get, live differently. And I've helped people my whole life. Why? Because God's good to me. He rescued me. Yeah. Sure. I uh, felt Friday night, he's not going to give me this microphone, <laughs> I felt like uh, Friday night uh, taking my wife to the show, the movie's called Do You Believe? And so we went to that movie and standing in line getting a $7 little small popcorn, uh, I didn't grumble over it, but <laughs> it was good, uh, this guy said, hi, how you doing man? And I said, oh hey, how you doing? And I uh, hadn't seen him for years and years and I thought, boy, you got old. I said, oh, I bet you're thinking I got old too. 
So we went to the movie. It's a great movie about the cross and awesome testimony of life and uh, in Christ. And so got both hands on this thing. I don't know which arm wrestling here. So uh, anyway, I felt, uh, God, I want to ask them to go to dinner. So uh, we, went, we asked them, would you like to go to dinner? And they said, after the show, and they said, sure, let's go. So we went over, and we had this awesome testimony of uh, sharing stories, war stories of years ago. And this, he's a believer. Actually, he's a pastor and a police chief. So I thought, this is really, he really is a priest and a king, literally, so with the authority. But anyway, we're sitting there telling all these stories and of how we went through testimony after testimony of God's goodness and being poor, really poor, you know, and, and watching God's miracles. And one of the miracles I just want to share with you is that this. He said, I was so poor. He said, I got on my hands and knees one day, and I said, God, you know, if I was you and you was me, and you asked me for something, I, I would give it to you. And he said, you know, I know you own the cattle on a thousand hills, and I wish you would just sell one of them cows and help me out. And he says, so help me before God. Just an hour later, I come in the mail a check, and a check from a slaughterhouse saying, you sold a cow, and this is your proceeds. It was hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So he said, this is crazy. So I called the slaughterhouse, and I said, "Uh, wait a minute. I got this check from you, and I don't own any cattle. He said, is your name such and such? And he said, yeah. He said, do you live in such and such? He said, yeah. He said, well, this is your cow that you sold, and you keep the money. So I have a question. Is God good? Always. Always, it can come. I'm not just doing that blessing thing, that blessing prayer to scam all of you. I believe in this power of right believing. God will reveal it to you. He'll show it to you. In a moment of time, everything can change. In a moment of time, I'm telling you, a check can come in the mail and wipe out your debt. In a moment of time, listen, I'm believing for a different church building. Now, now, you know, this, we just lease this, but I'm believing for our own place, you know, just where we don't have to do the setup and the teardown and all the hassles that go with that. So I'm believing. Now, that could be one person. No, I'm not starting a building fund. No, I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm believing the same as you for really big, great, hairy, audacious prayers. Is it wrong? No. What happens if nothing happens? Nothing. But I believe that God can send you a cow. Unlooked for, unasked for. I believe that the testimony that we heard this morning is going to get repeated over and over and over and over again. Is it dependent on anything? God's goodness, but it's also this. Our hearts believing. Your heart believing. We just don't need it over finances either. Listen, our hearts, we need to believe that God will eradicate cancer out of some people in this room. We need to believe that God is going to send Chad and Sarah over to Uganda in his timing which is perfect, with all the provision that they need. You need a louder amen on that one. They need to, they need to hear it. You see, that's what we do is we push our, 
we push that button, that call button on the box for them on their behalf that when they get scared and can't see a way. We have medical debt here and things that some families are facing that are insurmountable. And I believe that God's looking for us to ask. So Dan, come on out. Let's have the team come up. Will you believe with me as we ask this morning? Come on, I need a louder yes than that. You're being too denominational on me this morning. First, I want you to believe for your own situation. And then I want you to believe for somebody else you know about. And then I want you to do a bigger thing, to believe for something that you don't know about. That God wants to do incredible things. Will you join me? Father, from the very beginning in Genesis forward to Revelation, you have declared yourself the good God and the God of provision, the God of help, the God of assistance, the God who is there, the God who doesn't turn away, the God who looks and blesses. Over and over and over again, your main theme is, I am good. And I have created you to be a reflection of that. In that, we lay hold of your goodness this morning. We believe for our own lives right now. We believe that you want to bless us financially. We believe that you want to take care of us. We believe that you want to wipe out debt. We believe this morning that you want to surprise us. That you would even kill a cow on our behalf. That you would do that very thing. We believe for our lives and our family lives, for our children and our grandchildren, for our mothers and fathers. That you would bring wisdom into where to put our money, what to do with it, and that you would bring the increase with that. Lord, we pray now for someone we know that's in desperate need. We believe for them. We bless them that you would reveal your goodness towards their lives. That you would take care of them and that you would wipe out their debt. That you would watch over them that you would care for them and that you would show your great singing delight over their hearts. And Lord, now we stretch out and we believe for things that we don't know. We bless people in this congregation, but we bless people outside of this congregation. We bless people from other churches. We bless people that are just standing there holding a sign saying, need help. We bless them in the name of Jesus and we ask that you would reveal who who you are to them through providing for them. And that they would be shocked into the kingdom. That they would would find that place. And we want to thank you this morning, Lord, that you know our hearts. You know our weakness, you know our frame, you know the skepticism, you know the doubts. You know the unbelief. So we pray with the scriptures, I believe, help my unbelief. 
we receive who you are. Also this morning, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's so simple. I'm telling you, it's so easy. Believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead for you. Call him your Lord and you're saved. It's a simple prayer. It's not a lengthy prayer. You just pray it privately with yourself. And then go do this. Tell somebody about it. Just tell them I prayed that prayer this morning. You can go to anybody in this congregation and say, Hey, I was here this morning and I, I wanted to pray that prayer. And I wanted you to know that I prayed it. New life was designed to be simple and free and full. So we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me?